You're listening to the Memphis MedCast, a podcast series from Memphis Medical Society. Find out more about our mission and services at mdmemphis.org. Hello, everybody out there in Memphis Healthcare land. This is Clint Cummins, CEO of the Memphis Medical Society. We're back with our Memphis MedCast podcast. It's been a while since we've uh, talk to y'all, but uh, we're happy to be here today and introduce a new topic, uh, one that's really important to our organization and probably very important to a lot of our members out there, uh, and that's finance. So we're hoping to bring a lot of different uh, experts uh, in finance that are from the Memphis area uh, and deliver some really sound uh, information, education, uh, and advice for you. Uh, and today we've got one of the best in the business. I'm excited uh, to have Bill Howard uh, from William Howard and Company uh, with us today. Uh, he's one of the best and most nationally recognized advisors. He lives right here in Memphis, Tennessee. He's worked with so many uh, Memphis area physicians and I imagine clients all across the country. Um, and it's it's great to be with him um, today. So uh, welcome, Bill. Thank you, Clint. Glad to be here. Um, Let's just start off uh, today, if you don't mind, and just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and a little bit about your experience working with physicians. Well, I started working with physicians about 40 years ago. So over this four, dec- four decades, I've had the opportunity to have good experiences with physicians and then some physicians that didn't quite follow our advice. But it, it's a great experience in helping uh, young physicians as well as older physicians reach their financial goals and objectives. And I mean, just out of the thin air, what? how many clients you think you've had over the years? I mean, you've, you've been in this business a long time. Uh, I, I don't know. I would say close to a thousand have wow. been in and out of our office at one time wow. that, we've, that we've talked with. And we've given seminars over the years and been fortunate to work with national publications doing financial articles. Well, that's great. Um, I've, I've seen and read a lot of those articles. You've also been a longtime friend of the Medical Society, and we've we've published a lot of your articles in our magazine over the years. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to bring your wealth of knowledge to our membership in a new uh, format today. So for today's discussion, a lot of the audience that's going to be listening to our podcast today are medical students. So I'm just going to put you on the spot right off the bat. What, okay. <laughs> what, what's, what's your number one piece of advice for medical students? I think the number one piece of advice for medical students would be not to overextend yourself with loans. Loans are a necessity, a tool to use. They're investment in yourself and your career and your future. There's usually no way around that to get through school. Uh, get your loans to pay for school, but also be leery of adding on additional credit card debt to those loans. And what's really important, while you're in school, you also have to live and pay your living expenses. It's to write down what you think you need to live on. And in our firm, we don't like to use the term uh, budget. We like to use the term cash flow. So develop, see what your cash flow is for you to maintain your living expenses and try to live within those resources. So a lot of our uh, med students and, you know, maybe even folks beyond med school, whether they're in residency or in their first couple of years of practice, you know, are just struggling with the thought um, of that debt. Are there some specific things, specific pieces of advice um, that you would give them about some things they need to do early on? Well, early on, I think once you do start to have loans uh, that you want to look and also and say, okay, look, look at my credit file. 
And with the credit reporting bureaus, there's a way to protect yourself because now identity theft is so prevalent, you can go to the credit reporting bureaus and place a freeze or a lock on your credit file. That would prevent anybody from taking out credit in your name and hurting your credit file report. That's a great piece of advice. Um, so our students, you know, they're, they're in that mode, as I said, where they're, they're struggling with that debt, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's, yes, there is light. <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. And going back to the loan issue, generally speaking, you want to try to defer making payments as long as you can. Good. Um, so another light at the end of that tunnel is at some point, there's going to be a check coming in. There, there's going to be a check hitting that bank account every month uh, or every two weeks. And uh, it's when they go into residency. And so uh, when they get that first check, what should they be thinking about in terms of their um, responsibility with that income? Is it too early for them to think about investing at that point? I think what's most important is to have a schedule of all of your loans, the interest rates, and to see how much you could pay out of that check each month towards your highest rate uh, on the loan. Then going forward with that, of course, by that time you do have your budget and you're say making 50 or 60,000 a year, look and see how much you can put back each month for savings. I think it's important if it's just $50 a paycheck, $100 a paycheck, develop the habit of saving money so that when you do get out in practice and you're making 10 times what you're making as a resident, you already have the habit of saving money. Gradually build up that emergency fund. Okay. Um, like we said in the beginning, you've worked with ballpark 1,000 so physician clients over the years. You know, these uh, folks have, some of them have started with you when they were really young in practice. What's a, what's a success story or two you want to share with us today about someone that, started good habits early. Um, I think most people out there today, regardless of what early means to them, they want to retire early. That's everybody's goal, right? So tell, is, tell yeah. us a good story well, about somebody that did it right. I can think of two clients that come to mind. One was a physician couple. Uh, when the wife finished training, they went back home to the practice in their hometown. Their student loans were forgiven and college loans were forgiven because they agreed to practice there. They felt like they should reward themselves, and rightfully so, for the price they pay going through medical school training program. So they wanted to buy these different, what we call toys. They wanted to buy a tractor. They wanted to have a workout room in their house. They wanted a speedboat. They wanted a, a lake house. So we set up a plan to gradually set aside money out of each check to get these. And the strategy was, since they both were practicing, to live on one physician's income and then save the other spouse's income for those goals they were able to achieve those goals and not go into substantial debt to do that, basically pay cash to achieve them. Okay. The other goal that comes to mind was a, a young couple that came to me, one of our seminars we did years ago, and they wanted to retire before age 60. And so we set up a plan for them to save their money and they live very frugally. Uh, they spent less than they made, which that's a very basic fundamental in financial planning is to save money, make spend less than you make and he was able to retire at age 59. That's great. Uh, so again, those that are out there listening, we, we want to reinforce there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. That debt can be paid off. There's um, opportunities to um, survive and thrive uh, once you get in uh, to practice.
Okay, Bill, I think you hit on an important topic there that everyone is curious about. So I've got savings accounts, investment accounts, and a whole lot of other products, for lack of a better term, uh, that I've got to think about, particularly as I go into residency, I'm starting um, to build a family. So can you give us some of the basics about the difference between savings accounts and investment accounts, and when's the right time for me to talk to um, a financial expert or financial advisor like you? Okay. Well, the first thing you want to do is that when you start to have a paycheck is develop the habit of saving money. And in my experiences, I found it's much easier to have an automatic debit from your checking account to your savings account. That way you're saving money with every paycheck without having to make a decision about do I write a check to this account. And those accounts are going to be stable. They're in the bank. They're not going to earn much interest, but that's okay. The whole purpose of your savings account or emergency account is to have money in the bank in case you have an unexpected expense, a major car expense, or repairing your home that you don't have to borrow money to pay for it. As you go through your training program, building this account up to three to six months of living expenses is about where you want to go with that. Once you get to that level, then what you were having taken from your check for the savings or emergency fund account, you could redirect that toward an investment or paying back debt. But the, the big emphasis here is that once you get into practice, your income is going to be a lot more and one of the best ways to save money and invest is through a retirement plan. So the group that you work with will have some type of retirement plan. They'll put money back for you, and you can also reduce your salary by some. And depending on your family situation, especially if you have a wife and you have financial responsibilities, this is not along the savings line, but it's along the line of building your financial plan, which takes time. The first thing you want to do is have a solid foundation in your financial health. Well, as long as you're here to make money and can work, that's fine. But what if the unexpected happens to you and you're in an accident? You leave this earth and you owe money and your family's going to owe money. So buy life insurance, get term life insurance to protect your family. You also should try to get disability insurance when you're eligible. Protect your future earning ability. And what's most important with the family is to have estate planning documents, a will, power of attorney, a living will, those are essential for building your financial plan and you can start building this process while you're in training with those basic documents. As you get closer to getting out, say in your last year, then you want to start, start talking to colleagues or friends to see who they work for their financial advisor and have an idea of where you're going to be and to start thinking about planning for your future. That's great. That's, uh, that's good advice. Okay, Bill. So another important dynamic that I hear from physicians constantly is I am bombarded by, and I'm using air quotes even though nobody can see them, financial advisors. So uh, not everyone on the podcast today is going to be able to be a client of Bill Howard's as much as uh, that would be wonderful. Um, but we trust your advice. What What are some things people should be looking for when they uh, need a financial advisor and a follow-up question would be when's the right time to start okay. looking well and when you think about a financial advisor bill having a financial plan it really takes a team approach to do this you need to have a, an insurance agent uh, a banker uh, a cpa and attorney and then you need to have a quarterback of the team and that's the financial advisor or certified financial planner and there are different ways to select these. There are different organizations that can refer to you to planners in your area. 
then they'll give you even the questions to ask him. But the first thing you should do is go interview somebody. And most planners will let you interview them and talk with them for without charge, maybe up to 30, 40 minutes of their time. Then what's important is that you find a chemistry with that person and you and you trust them and you ask for referrals or of clients they've worked with or talk to them, some of your colleagues to see if they've got a good experience with them and who they've worked with. Then what's also important is to know how they're compensated. And there are certain ways advisors get compensated. There's no right or wrong ways to way you're comfortable working with them. Some advisors uh, get paid commissions based on what they sell you. Some advisors get paid a fee for giving advice and a commission if you buy products from them. Then other advisors are just strictly fee only. They charge you by the hour for their advice and they may charge you based on the amount of assets that they manage for you if that's something that you can use. But what's important also is to see what you're gonna get from this financial advisor. Ask to see a copy of a financial plan, a certified financial planner or anyone giving financial advice as a CFP would be required to give you their uh, government form, their form ADV, and that gives you their whole background. So it's a process and financial planning is a process and having the right team is critical, just like in healthcare. You have the internist that diagnose the patient and calls a specialist when they need them in. That's the same way a CFP works with you in your financial health. So when's the time for me to start looking? Um, is it second year medical school, fourth year? Is it, should I already have one by now if I'm in medical school? When, when's the right time to really start looking? Well, every situation is different. Obviously, if you already have a family in your medical school or you're married, you have responsibilities financially, you should try to find an insurance person to sell you some, buy some term life insurance. Going forward in the training, your residency program, uh, as you get toward your completion of your final year, now's the time to start looking for a financial planner to try to put your team together. But you can kind of piecemeal it along the way in building the foundation of your estate plan while you're during your training program. The estate planning uh, with the life insurance, disability insurance is very important and then having your savings account emergency fund. Well, that's uh, all good advice, Bill, and um, we really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. And like I said, appreciate your uh, relationship with the Medical Society. So if those folks listening today want to contact you with questions, um, how, how's the best way for them to contact you? Email would be the, the best way, uh, whoward at whcfa.com. Okay, great. Well, uh, we'll make sure everybody knows um, how to get in touch with you. Um, and we really appreciate your uh, time today. And thank thanks. You, thank you. Um, and thanks to all of you out there uh, for listening. You know, this information was geared today to uh, be centered for medical students, but I think Bill gave us some really sound advice uh, for anyone today, much less um, any physician. This podcast will also be posted along with some other uh, information. Uh, on mdmemphis.org. Uh, uh, if you're a member, we hope you'll take advantage of that. If you're not a member, feel free to go there too. It's not proprietary, but we hope you'll consider uh, joining the Memphis Medical Society and the Tennessee Medical Association uh, while you're on the site. That's it for this episode of Memphis MedCast. Stay tuned. We're going to bring you more uh, information, education, and resources in podcast form. And uh, thank you once again to uh, Bill for joining us today.
You've been listening to the Memphis MedCast, a podcast series from Memphis Medical Society. Subscribe to our podcast anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts or mdmemphis.org.